Dear listener, we hope that you've been enjoying the variety of podcasts that we have on our network. Now is your opportunity to help us by telling us a little more about you. Please visit jcastnetwork.org survey and complete our listener survey so that we can learn more about you and your listening habits. Again, please visit jcastnetwork.org survey. Thanks so much. You are listening to Sermons with Rabbi David Seth Kirchner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome back. Religion Online. I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik. I'm Deacon Kevin McCormack. You know, one of the most glorious positions you can have in the uh, not-for-profit world is past president of an organization. And why is that, Rabbi? Well, because when you're past president, you have the right to criticize the president. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, when you're president, what are you going to do? Criticize right. yourself? Take the hits. Take yeah, the hits. So, but we had a great president. We have one. Gideon Schloss is a great president now, but... We you had a string of them over yeah, the years. Yeah. I've had the pleasure to meet we, most uh, of them. And we, enjoyed the leadership, we enjoyed the leadership of Rabbi, Rabbi David Seth Kirshner. And what's nice about once you're a past president, you continue. Uh, he's with us, and we consult with him because of his, uh, his wisdom. You from, a young guy, he's a wise guy. From, from a Gentile's point of view, what I love about a Rabbi is that he's a holy man. He's a wise, holy man. And, and when, I love listening to him. I love speaking with him. Luckily, now if he's his, here. Now, if his wife would only agree with that. No, that's it, not my problem. <laughs> I got my own problem. Rabbi David Seth Kirshner, senior rabbi, Temple Emanuel, close to New Jersey, former president of the York Board of Rabbis. Good morning, Rabbi. Good morning, Deacon. Good morning, Rabbi. How are you both? Terrific. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, obviously, difficult time in terms of trying to find a way to be conciliatory in the face of conflict. Uh, I... I was watching clips of the demonstration yesterday. You know, some some people spoke with great respect. Others were extremely uh, vulgar. Yeah, vulgarians. You know, like Madonna. Madonna, Madonna get mind. up and saying, you know, I have thoughts of blowing up the White House. And, and then using language you know, we can't use. Yeah. You're better than that. Um, but we have a country that's hurting. And I know people say, well, you know, this is our president. And that's true. Uh, I also think back to, you know, a previous election when those now in power wouldn't recognize uh, the past president. Yes. What do we do? How do we, I mean, everybody's asking the same question. How do we get beyond the moment so that we can, we can talk to each other? I thought, wouldn't it be inspiring if we could have this president gather in the White House a group of people who disagree with each other, bring them together, have, you know, all the, you know, heated arguments, and then walk away and say, we're better for it. Uh, I agree. I think it would also be very powerful instead of talking about uh, attendance, which rabbis are notorious for. Uh, you know, yeah. rabbis always inflate the attendance <laughs> at their synagogues. I had seven, eight hundred people when it was really about two hundred. Um, I, I think it'd be really good to talk about that healing, to talk about being the president for the people who didn't vote for him. Um, I think that would be a powerful thing. I think it would be good to focus on the issues that divide us, uh, not issues of. Um, of irrelevance that would be very powerful. You know, it's interesting, um, Deacon, I know you're going to love this story because you love the Talmud. Uh, he does. He's a student. true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. I, I know he does. I, I say that seriously because I, I know that uh, you're always curious about these things, and I, I love that curiosity. There were two figures in 
the Talmud who were constantly in uh, battle with each other. It's almost like the Hatfields and the McCoys. They're called uh, Hillel and Shammai. Mm-hmm. And if one set up, the other set down, one set right, one set left, the, di- the idea was they were trying to divine what God's will was in almost every case. But the most beautiful part of the Hillel Shammai story, in my estimation, is even though they have different opinions of how you light the Hanukkah candles and when you say a particular prayer and how this observance is held, there's a story told in the Talmud that when a teacher was sick, that Hillel and Shammai would walk together to go visit him. So that they might differ on what are the actual execution ways of divining God's will. But where they are in lockstep, literally lockstep, is in going to visit the sick, or going to help the poor, or feeding uh, the hungry, or tending to the needy. And what it shows me is that there are common denominators of which there should be no divide. You know, it's also, I think, seeing the humanity of the other. Uh, I was, you know, you read about Hill and Shammai, I think there were a total of 310 arguments. And they right? don't need, like, everything, right? <laughs> Three, uh, yeah, yeah, every. But in, when they present their argument, the first thing they do is quote the other side. Mm-hmm. With respect, right. not misquote, not take it out of context. We'll say, this is what my, my adversary has to say. I respect that. Now, let me tell you what I have to say. Where, where do you find that outside of the Talmud today? Aquinas well, did that, just yeah. for the record. <laughs> but he may have stolen no, but it from... It's just, uh, it's just um, you know, and, and I don't know. We, we need people in power who think higher. Who stop? You have to stop with this this constant criticism. I know some of the yahoos love this stuff. I know some of the followers. They eat it up and they attack the media. It, it you know, it's their meat, but it doesn't do anything to advance no. the causes causes that need to be addressed in this country. Take it a step further, uh, Deacon and, and Rabbi. When the rabbis ask the question of God in the Talmud, well, why is it that we end up following the school of of Hillel more than Shammai? What value to the argument does Hillel bring, God gives an answer that says he was always exactly what you said, Joe. He was always deferential in letting Shammai speak first and kinder, meaning that when it, whether it comes to how you light the Hanukkah candles or a thousand other examples of things that they differed on was irrelevant as long as they were after the will of God. What did matter was a sense of kindness, was a sense of grace, was a sense of dignity, was exemplifying character. Those were the values that gave Hillel the edge. And that's what needs to be restored. And, you know, I think this, this is important to say. I know you have a, a, a lot of listeners, and, and this uh, is a delicate statement. For many that I know, the issue with the current administration is not an issue of losing. It's not an issue of Republican versus Democratic. It's not an issue of... Of, um, of, of views that are liberal versus conservative. It's an issue of grace mm-hmm. and character mm-hmm. and dignity. Mm-hmm. It's an issue of how certain ideas, certain values, certain thoughts are shared and expressed. And it is important that this highest office in the land, which trickles down and represents every one of us, whether we're in our house or we leave our country, is represented with grace and dignity and still can get us to the same finish line we're after. I think that matters, and I think that's where a lot of people both draw ire and put their crosshairs on focusing for a better tomorrow. You know, all of us who are in the public eye and hold positions of leadership, we are expected to be exemplars of decency and dignity wherever we go. People look at us at our behavior 
you know, and uh, hopefully look and say that is a model uh, of how people should behave. I would hope when people look at the president of the United States, the highest office, that they have the same standard and the person in office also sees himself or herself in that fashion. And I think what's so upsetting here is, you know, some of the statements made by this president have been shameful. You know, he points to the others. We point to Madonna and Michael Moore and all that. I, and I get that. And what they said is wrong. But when you're the president, you yeah. also... You have to you be know, above that. You know, you right. You've got to be above that. And when you're not, you have brought down, you have brought down the level of discourse, civil discourse in this country. So it starts with the president. And I, you know who I give a lot of credit to? I, this guy has become my hero. Uh, I give credit to Steve Harvey, <laughs> the, the host of Family Feud. First of all, I wrote an article about him after he made his mistake uh, with the beauty pageant. Right. And the reason was is because, you know, here he was being excoriated for making a mistake. And I, I wrote, this is what I want my kids to do. When they make a mistake, to own up to it, to not blame it on anyone else, to put it on their shoulders. And here's a guy who met with him, and he... He got in a lot of trouble from uh, people of the African American race and liberal race for going and uh, liberal, liberal groups for for going and um, uh, talking with him. And he said, "Look, you have to be part of the dialogue." And I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that there are a lot of people who might not have voted for this president, but have to be part of the dialogue. That means if they get the invitation or they get an opportunity or there's a portal created to be part of a conversation, they cannot walk away on principle. You know, Deacon. Rabbi Seth, David Seth and I and a number of others, we had a meeting. And I don't want to give particulars, David, because it was an off-the-record meeting. And we met with someone with whom we had some serious disagreements. We met in a room recently. And we walked away saying, thank God we had the meeting. Thank God we listened to learn from one another. And our opinion changed of the person when we had that face-to-face discussion. And again, I don't think everybody who walked out of that meeting, David, agreed they, they, opinions weren't changed in terms of positions, but in terms of perception of the other person, that's what changed. They were changed in personality, dramatically, myself included and many others on, on different sides, because it gave us a chance to, um, to tear down the facade that's created through certain excerpts from the media or pictures that we draw in our own world. You know, this has become one of the problems of a world that's dictated by Twitter is that we become monochromatic. When you have 140 characters, it's black or it's white. And the truth is, is everything we see is in technicolor. There are 457 shades of yellow alone. (laughs) And how dare we just take all of these complicated, detailed parts of the world and boil them down to black or white? that's That's an injustice. We have the privilege of speaking with Rabbi David Seth Kirshner. He's the senior rabbi at Temple Emmanuel in Cluster, New Jersey. He's also the former president of the New York Board of Rabbis. And we're talking about civil discourse. Yesterday, Rabbi, uh, over a million women and men, but the majority of it was women, uh, took to the streets uh, throughout America, in Washington, in Boston, New York, Chicago, Seattle, etc. And and it was funny because there was no one voice. It wasn't for one issue. It was just in general a, a... discord that, that that they just felt they weren't connected and they needed to stand together and, and to speak and there were there were people there who were pro-choice next to people who were pro-life there were people there who were fighting for economic gains there were people who were fighting for recognition there were people who were fighting for the moral discourse that we've spoken about already today what do we as as rabbis as ministers as as, as people of faith what do we do with our how do we stand with our sisters and 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 our wives our our, our daughters our moms and in, in, in their concern. And again, there wasn't, there wasn't one voice yesterday, 
But there certainly was one feeling that that we there's been there's there's something missing, and and we we can't stand for it. Well, I, I lovingly disagree, uh, Deacon. I'll tell Fair you, enough. I think I think there was one voice, and that voice was democracy. Fair enough. Well done. Uh, uh, how I, I how think, dare I challenge a rabbi or something? Like that. I fell right into that. <laughs> I, I think that was that was the common shared voice. As long as that voice, which is from the majority of what I saw, as long as that voice stays civil, and there was no violence or call to violence, which I know there were a few, and as, as Rabbi Potasnik called it beautifully, a few of the yahoos out there mm-hmm. uh, that call for that. As long as it stays that way, that is the gorgeous part of of our tradition of our history of our republic and the minute we lose the ability to share that democracy and to express it then we've lost the very lifeline of what it is that our country's about so woe to us should that happen and i argue the reason why jews have succeeded so well in this country versus any other is because that core value of our voice matters and there is a platform for our voice regardless of where it is as long as it stays within the bounds of civility that has the core to Judaism, it's the core to America, and those two concentric circles overlap, and that has led to our success in this country. I was listening to an interview uh, last night, and a woman who represents a group, pro-life, she said they were not given the opportunity to participate. There, Maybe there was some... Individually, work. as a group, they weren't. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to bring that up now, yeah. and we will. That's an issue, but... And, and she you. said, <laughs> for me, pro-life is not a political thing, it's a moral thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are many other issues in that... Uh, demonstration that I agree with, but here, you know, we've, and why can't I participate? Why can't I feel comfortable participating? Um, so yesterday, yeah, was a moment for democracy. The inauguration is a moment for democracy when you had, I mean, you have, what, five past presidents standing there, uh, a transition of power, no one got shot, as, is, as happens in other countries. Uh, people of different faiths could stand together and proclaim uh, their love and loyalty to their faith, that's a moment. Although, David, you and I would agree if we were given the location, it would be so much better. Uh, uh, no question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so why was, did they go to the third tier? Was, I'm just Joe kidding. Yeah, you know, I know uh, Joe has a standing coffee appointment on Friday, so he turned it down. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Starbucks. Yeah. Let's, not, let's not forget about this. I think this is worthy of saying. Um, you know, I've preached this for many, many a year, and it feels different. But the fact that standing next to the President of the United States, who was democratically and legally elected, the 45th President, was his son-in-law, who is now an advisor to him, who is an Orthodox Jew, uh, is standing right next to him as he puts his hand on that Bible. There's something to be said about the arrival of Jewish people in this country. Um, I realize it's a little bit more complicated than in general, and there would have been the same situation. Uh, Not Orthodox uh, had Hillary won as well, with her son-in-law being a Jew. Um, I, I think that there is um, something celebratory in our arrival in that. Yeah, we and, made it. We made. It. I know people yeah. want to point to the deficiencies in our democracy, but you also have to talk about the blessings. Um, and you know, the fact that we can be Jewish in America and not be apologist, not be defensive, not have to hide when you know, like the Moranos did. Uh, that's a great statement about the beauty of this country. And I, and I hope that is not lost as we talk about all the discord. Um, there, there's much to be thankful for each and every day. Well, you know, there are a lot of people, uh, Rabbi Potosnik, who still think, uh, because it's a comfortable narrative, that we are indeed in that corner still. But this is my favorite statistic to share this. Uh, there are 30 Major League Baseball teams, and 11 of those baseball teams have dedicated kosher stands in their stadiums. 
okay? More than 33% of the baseball teams have an outlet for people who only keep kosher. Now, we don't represent 33% of the population, nor the population that watches baseball. But that, to me, is indicative of a statement of where Jews are in this country. It's well said. Right. And, uh, of course, the cost of that kosher food is greater than... But, you know, the hot dogs are worth it. It's a great cycle because it keeps our gastroenterology. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. Rabbi David Seth Kirshner, always a pleasure. Um, I think rabbis, uh, all members of the clergy after this weekend, won't complain about their board of trustees meetings anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, not so bad. They're doing all right. Not so bad. That's uh, correct. Look, uh, again, we, we go to our congregations uh, with love. Uh, we love what we do. We love this country. Synagogues yesterday, short churches today, offer a prayer for the country. Uh, in a positive way, not a prayer for the country because, you know, Donald Trump is the president, but a prayer, whether it's Donald Trump, Barack Obama, it's the same prayer. Uh, and it's not a Republican or a Democratic prayer. It is, um, a, as you say, a Democratic prayer for all people, Democrat with a small d. Um, you know, I remember years ago it was Dr. Norman Lamy, Yeshiva University, who said that we all have to be both Catholic and Protestant but have to spell it with lowercase, you know, letters. Catholic in that we all belong to this universal family. Protestant that we protest when we think something is not right. Um, and that, that to me, is the beauty of America. And that's, I think that's so well said. I do. And creating a space in our congregations for those people matters. And that's the model of Hillel and Shammai. That's the tradition of what it is to be Jewish and what it is to be Christian in our community, and that is the success and beauty of America, and that was what happened on Friday, and it's what happened on Saturday also. And my only prayer is that uh, God continue to look after this president and the choices in which he makes, and that we can continue to have an environment where all of those voices are heard and shared over the next years, and that allows us to grow. Or, another way, pithy, here comes everybody. I have to say that every show, so it fit in really well there. (laughs) I like that, Deacon. It's James Joyce. I wish I could take credit for it. Deacon, now you can understand why so many people in New Jersey, not in New Jersey, uh, anybody who knows them, who goes to you know goes to listen to Rabbi David Seth Kirshner. I've I've been privileged to be in that synagogue, and they love him there, and rightfully so. I've been with him in Israel, uh, and and they love him there. Um, It's a pleasure to be your friend. It's a privilege to be your friend. Oh, the honor is mine to. And I just I just thank you for all that you have done, continue to do uh, as a leader of the Jewish community and and of the community, because you're there for everyone. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Bye-bye now.